Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I want you to know that the mothership has landed. It's DA on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, my brother? I want permission to come aboard the mothership. Asking permission to join a sports talk spaceship? Well, we're all a little crazy. The mothership has connected. The mothership, the, the, the mothership. Let's go. Oh, I'm feeling good. I'm doing great. And I got one question, one question only. How you doing? Well, I feel good and I'm doing well. Here we are, the end of a Thursday show. Andrew Bogish, EJ, Ryan, Greg. Maybe a Bilotti signing before we're done. Live across the country, all our great CBS Sports Radio Odyssey affiliates, plus the Odyssey app, the CBS Sports app, Sirius XM, Channel 158, and we are streaming once again. Watch DA.com, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, phone lines are open at 855-212-4227. That's 855-212-4CBS. At CBS Sports Radio, at Andrew Bogish on Twitter. Um, we have been discussing Pete's tenure uh, currently in the interview compound this week or today and the rest of the week, getting ready to find the next next best friend, kind of, so to speak, who's going to sit next to him in that booth for a long time, which uh, has led to our question of the day. The poll question is up. What is the best way to impress at Pete the body during a job interview? And your three choices are wear a suit, offer a friendship bracelet, just like Travis Kelsey tried with, with um, Taylor Swift, uh, and then finally insist on a FaceTime interview. So there are your choices. Get those votes in. Advanced analytics and those results to close out the show with your epic fail. Matt Michelle of the Orlando Sentinel will join us in our next segment. There's so much college football news going on out there right now. We've got Colorado on the verge of leaving the Pac-12 for the Big 12. That would happen after this year. We've got Jim Harbaugh. We have Northwestern. We have the possibilities we discussed earlier this morning of Michigan and Ohio State playing in the game on a different day to get it farther away from the Big Ten title game so that both games on their own have enough integrity, not compromised by the presence of one or the other. Aaron Rodgers gave back $35 million to the Jets yesterday, and maybe some of that money goes to Dalvin Cook, who is expected to meet with the Jets later today, tomorrow, and through the weekend. Those Jets have Brees Hall coming off a torn ACL. He's a heck of a running back. He might have been the AFC Offensive Rookie of the Year last year before tearing his ACL. Not all the way back just yet. And they have a tough, tough September to the Jets, so they need some help at that spot. And Dalvin Cook certainly uh, classifies as help at the running back spot. 
We'll do um, some more running back stuff here in just a second, I think. But I really want to get to Shohei Ohtani and baseball here to begin the hour. We've been teasing it almost from the from the jump of the show. And it's a topic we have had multiple conversations about over the last couple of weeks. And we have our answer now. And at one point, the answer was, you got to hold on to him. The Angels were going well. Mike Trout was healthy. Otani was crushing him. And they were very much in playoff contention. Then they began to slump. Then Trout got hurt. The slump continued. And all of a sudden, it only made sense to trade Otani so you didn't lose him for nothing this offseason. And we said going into the All-Star break that coming out of the All-Star break, they had games against the Yankees and the Astros, games that would really define who the Angels were, would lock in their fate, whether they were close enough to keep going and think about the postseason or they were too far away and therefore had to sell, had to trade Otani, had to get multiple prospects back for him since we're all assuming he is going somewhere else when we get to next winter, whether it be to the Dodgers, to San Francisco, to a New York team, anywhere other, you know, staying with the Angels is one of the least possible outcomes. Um, of all of the really actual possible outcomes erasing the you know the ones that will never going to happen, the ones that are feasible, that's the one that's least feasible, or so it seems. But here are the Angels. They go through that mini gauntlet of games after the All-Star break, and now since then, and they've done just enough to keep themselves in the wild-card conversation. And I mentioned this, I think, yesterday. They haven't been this close to a playoff spot at this point in the calendar in like six or seven seasons. And now part of that is they're only close because there's an extra wild card spot now. So context matters. But what they have done here, at least in my vantage point, where I've always approached this as they don't have the guts to trade Otani, even though it is 99% the correct thing to do. They need to trade him. They need to get some return because he's leaving and a compensatory pick of somewhere between number 70 and 80 is nowhere near, obviously, Otani's value. So they had to trade him, but they didn't want to. And I think they're thankful that the team has done just enough to justify what they did yesterday. And that was, A, apparently officially finally decide that they are not trading Shohei. And now... Without trading him and bringing prospects in, they are sending prospects out to get Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez from the White Sox. Everybody needs starting pitching. And Giolito is one of the names that have been floated around. The White Sox are cooked again. They're looking to give off multiple pieces. And the Dodgers wanted Giolito. Other teams wanted Giolito. And the Angels that get him for prospects three and four on their list, a catcher and a left-handed pitcher, and they get a reliever who was really good last year, has been not as good this year, but still uh, has some optimistic numbers buried in his stats that make you think he can maybe fix things this year. But the Angels at three games over 500, four games out of the last wildcard spot, that Blue Jays have that right now. The red-hot the red, red Sox and the Yankees are between the Angels and those Blue Jays. Anaheim did just enough here to let Artie Moreno and Perry Manassian, cowardly seems like a strong word, but I, I believe that they never wanted to trade him. As logical as it appears, they just they couldn't bring themselves to put this guy off of their team. And now, in their eyes, they don't have to. They are technically within reach of a playoff spot. But they're not going to win the whole thing. 
even if Lucas Giolito comes in and is lights out, they're not winning the American League. They're not getting to the World Series, let alone win the World Series. So to me, a first-round wildcard exit is still a bad trade keeping Otani here. I would have been looking, I think, I hope, I would have had the guts if I was in that position to look at this in the other direction and go, okay, sure, we're close, but we're really not close to being contenders. Like, that's what we're not. We might be the third wild card, but we're not a, a true contender. And Shohei's leaving. Now, the one caveat, I guess, is, you know, we're not in meetings. We're not in conversations. Maybe him leaving them is not the foregone conclusion that most of us think it is. But if we're right and they're wrong and they're now, the trade was keep Otani to maybe make the playoffs and then probably lose in round one as opposed to trading him, restocking the farm system and being closer to a contender sooner rather than later, they're just, they're doing it wrong. They're doing it wrong. They're simply still not good enough because they didn't come out of the All-Star break and surge. They're playing well, but they're not lights out. Even the, I mean, the Red Sox are hotter than them right now. And they had a chance here to reset the franchise. They may end up being right. They may get in. They may do more noise once they're in than they think they can do. And maybe somehow they keep him. But I just, I don't think winning a wild, the last wild card spot and making a trade for a rental starting pitcher, it's not enough for them right now. And I don't think it's enough to change Otani's mind. JP Morosi, by the way, of the aforementioned multiple times, MLB Network will be on the show tomorrow. And of course, we'll discuss this. The trade deadline is next Tuesday. It's August 1st. And don't forget, that's the trade deadline. That's it. There's no more of the weird old school, okay, there's the one deadline, but then we put guys on waivers, and if they clear waivers, we can trade them. That practice is off the board now. This is it. August 1st is done for trades, and the wild card has created, I think, the system that baseball wants and that there are a lot of teams, like the Angels, who think that they're in it when maybe they're not in it. So there's a lot of teams looking for a lot of things, including starting pitching, and there's not that much out there unless you want to take some weird swings on Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander uh, or even guys like Giolito who is who was not pitching to the numbers that he normally has and for the second straight year really that's the truth so you know it's a, it's a harder sell that this is just a bad stretch for Lucas where it's stretched back into last year there is some benefit to getting away from a bad White Sox team that's a bad defensive team Maybe the Angels, especially when Trout is back, make more plays behind him than the White Sox did. Um, but you know, if you've got young, controllable starting pitching, you are sitting pretty right now. And then there are teams like the Padres, we mentioned, who have both. Um, they need help, and they can provide help to others, the guys like Blake Snell and Josh Hader. So it should be an interesting trade deadline. How busy it is remains to be seen, and we're not getting an Otani trade by Tuesday, which is disappointing for teams like Baltimore and for Tampa Bay that we've been pushing in the Reds to get in on a guy like this. That's off the table, but other moves are out there for some surprising teams to try and better themselves here for this playoff push. Now, the other baseball news from yesterday is probably bad news for most of you. Rob Manfred's got a new contract as MLB commissioner. It's a four-year deal. It starts after this year, 
It's his third contract. The initial one, one extension, and now this one as well. He has not said what his plans are after this deal. He will be 70 when we get to the end of the, what is that, the 28th season when this deal runs out. I guess I'm going to defend Manfred here just for a second. I don't like the guy. I don't think he has the right demeanor still somehow when he speaks publicly. Um, he doesn't always present himself um, in the way that best reflects back on the game. But this year's working. How much credit do you want to give him for these rule changes is up to you, but he deserves some, if not most of, the credit for the pitch clock and everything else that has sped things up. And maybe soon we're going to get robot umpires in that weird challenge system that the minor leagues have, and they need something because, man, oh, man, our home plate umpire is terrible these days. I mean, just watching balls be called strikes and strikes become called balls, it is maddening. So give me a system, give me a little head tap. I want to review that. Two seconds later, we got the right call and we move on. Manfred has done things that have worked for baseball. Games are shorter, attendance is up. Other numbers are trending in the right direction. There's a lot of popular players right now led by Otani. They're credit where credit's due to Manfred. But in particular, what I guess the pseudo-defense of him is we probably should stop talking about him that he doesn't like baseball. And it's easy to point out with this stupid comment about the World Series trophy being a thing of tin and now trying to backtrack on the way he handled the Angels, the Astros investigation and not punishing players and whatnot. I, I don't don't think that's where Rob is working off of, a premise of I'm trying to sabotage the game, but it connects more to his refusal, their denial. Like He just needs like media training still somehow so he can talk to us better and be uh, a little more complimentary and defensive and supportive of the game. But we probably should stop with the idea that he doesn't like baseball. I don't think that's necessarily what's going on here. But no matter what, we've got him for four-plus more seasons because, again, in a lot of ways, baseball is in a good spot right now, and he's at least got his fingerprints on some of those things. And now I'm done being nice about him because it's hard and it's not fun. But sometimes I guess it's a tiny bit warranted. I think that the pitch clock is like the greatest thing to happen to yeah. the sport since, I don't know, introducing leather mitts. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Everybody having their own mitt. You didn't have to leave yours for the other guy playing right field. Like, it's changed the game. And I don't care if old school fans or traditionalists or purists tell me, oh, no, it's not the same. Well, it's better than it was because games are over now in under three hours. If I have to watch another four-hour regular season game, uh uh-uh, not happening. Um, So, yeah, you know, I've... Listen, there have been flaws. I think every commissioner has his flaws. That's the nature of the position. It's a thankless job unless you're dealing with the owners. They all have their issues. But to say he doesn't like the game, I've always kind of disagreed with that idea. I don't think that's accurate. I Sometimes I think he doesn't like being commissioner, maybe, mm. because he seems to be bothered by having to do commissioner things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, and again, I'm, I'm with you on pitch clock, man. I I, it, I wasn't sure what it was going to be like. It's still kind of weird. But the fact that I see games end more than not is a huge win for me personally. Yeah. And it even feels weird now when a game crosses three hours. Yes. Which used to be the norm. And already you're like, guys, what are we doing wrong here? Well, you, you, How is this game still going? You've also been to games. Uh, you know, I've been to one game this year 
with the new rules, one major league game with the new rules, and it's amazing how so much happens in the time that you get up from your seat to either go grab a beer yeah. or go to the bathroom. You're like, wow, I just missed an inning and a half mm-hmm. in the time that I was gone. Like, even in the ballpark, the experience is completely different now. Which that's why they keep changing rules on how long you can buy stuff and mm. opening, I think, opening gates a little earlier too. Yep. Because the game itself being smaller, there's less time to buy stuff and they really want you to buy stuff. And yeah, like with a 12 year old and a nine year old who don't want to sit when I go to games now, I'm like, guys, we got to watch the game a little bit. Yeah. Like, you got to give me something here. We got to just sit down for a few minutes. So I meant to ask you this yesterday. Maybe it came up earlier in the week before I got here Wednesday. Your Boston trip with the family. Yeah. um, Was that specifically, did that start as, hey, we'll go to a Mets game and then we'll make a weekend out of it? Like, what was the genesis of that? So, yes and no. The, the, The initial decision was, oh, the Mets are playing at Fenway. And my wife did this on her own. She oh, got cool. the tickets. But she went to BU and has right. a lot of friends still there. So we have we go probably once a year. Oh, cool. So we would have gone to Boston at some point. This made this last weekend the one to go to. So there's there's really no separating it. Like it, it kind of both led to where we were. Now, your tickets were for the Friday night game? No, Saturday. So you got in for the regularly scheduled... Saturday game. Which was supposed to be 4 o'clock. Became, became 7. seven o'clock. Yeah. So you were there for the Scherzer game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Scherzer game. How did your son take it? Does he, does he get bummed out when the Mets we've, lose? We've had some bad luck. So we went to... Last summer we went to Wrigley and we watched the Mets lose. Okay. He randomly became... Uh, his second favorite hockey team is the Colorado Avalanche and he loves Nathan McKinnon. So I took him to... To watch, see the Avalanche play the Islanders, and the Avs lost. Oh no! And he did not like that because it was, I think, two nothing Colorado, and then five two Islanders. Okay, it was a huge momentum switch, and they just kept scoring goal after goal. So the place was going nuts. So he's like, I, "We got to go." Um, then I took him to Yankee Stadium to see the Mariners because he loves Julio Rodriguez, yep. and the Mariners lost, and Julio did nothing. And then we watched the Mets lose to the Red Sox the other day in, in Boston. Oh, so the little guy's having a rough. So all of our like specialty trips have not gone well. Wow. Yeah. How was? Did he enjoy Fenway at least? Did he appreciate it? Uh, for a little bit. Yeah. I we did this on Tuesday. It's a it's a tough place depending on where you're sitting to watch a game. Mm. It's not comfortable. Yeah. You're not facing home plate. It's not. It's just. It was. It's. It can be. It can be taxing. So we were happy to leave. With the Mets down 8-3. Okay. To make the early exit. Okay. Yeah. But otherwise, good weekend. Yeah. As I think the coolest thing was to go way deep into the weeds. The Mets have a fan club, the Seven Line Army, that does trips to games. And they were at that game, too. And he and I were just walking through the concourse. And I heard, like, a little murmur in the crowd. And I knew the Mets were doing something because it wasn't full noise volume for a Red Sox good thing. So we went running up the tunnel after a Pete Alonso double, Mets had second and third. They were down 2 nothing. Jeff McNeil singles, and then the ball gets thrown home and then thrown to second again, McNeil, yeah. and misses everybody and basically rolls to the green monster, and McNeil gets up and he scores. So it's a single and a three two-base error for basically a Little League three-run homer. So we were in the seven-line section That's by accident. Cool. Everyone's freaking out. I have him up in the air because everybody was jumping him down to see McNeil running around home. So at least we have that memory of a otherwise relatively crap game. 
Does your son, does he watch a lot of baseball nightly? Because I know he's busy with Little League. I know he's always playing. Um, I mean, he will not watch a full game because okay. he doesn't watch a full anything because he has a, a nine-year-old's attention span. Sure. But, like, he'll stay for 15, 20 minutes at a time All right. and lay on the floor to or start. sit on the couch next to him watch the game. Yeah. Um, and because you're a, a relatively newer Instagram follow for me, the hop on the mound... Yeah. The little shimmy that he does yeah. is unbelievable. He's got a little bit of a punk in him. Yeah. You got to straighten that out a little bit um, before people start caring. He's a more likable Marcus Stroman. Yeah. You know what? I'll right? take that. He's got a little Stroman in him. Got a little. Right? Yeah. That's fine. Stroke yeah. and pitch. So I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take a break here. When we come back, we've got some college football to talk about. Matt Merchel of the Orlando Sentinel. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Is on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. This year like last year, the best is right here on CBS. It's the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back. A little more than a half hour left on this Thursday edition of the DA Show. Bogish, EJ, Caserta, Ryan with you. Still efforting a Pete Bellotti appearance. We have retweeted, though. Cap sent it out. I retweeted him. Uh, the origin story of Pete's dislike for Joey Votto, which we are re-exploring uh, so far this morning. We'll do that later, but right now it's college football, as promised. Matt Merchelle covers the sport and UCF in particular for the Orlando Sentinel, and he's with us now this morning. Hey, Matt, it's Andrew. How are you? Doing well. How are you doing this morning, Andrew? Uh, I'm doing really well. So let's begin with today's breaking news, Colorado to the Big 12. Um, not completely unforeseen, but maybe not coming last night. What was your initial reaction to the news? Well, I mean, I think this is something that's kind of been on the horizon for a while now. 
you know, uh, you know, Colorado has, has, you know, definitely made it known that they're not, you know, that they were interested in maybe leaving the Pac-12 and heading to the Big 12. Um, and then obviously, you know, the, the Pac-12 continues to work on whether its media rights deal is, is, is going to be suitable enough. And um, the, the officials in Colorado must not have felt like it was a very good deal and decided that they're going to make the move to leave. And I, I think, you know, Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner, has said, you know, if, if the brands are good and, and they bring value to the Big 12, then they're obviously going to open the door. So um, I, I doesn't surprise me, and I don't think the Big 12 is done. I think at some point, you know, they're going to look around, whether it's going to be another Pac-12 team or whether it's going to be someone else, I think they're going to add another value to, the, to those conference. And I think it's a huge deal for what Yormack has been able to do and, and what he's been able to keep this conference uh, surging over the last, you know, 18 months or so. Yeah, he appears to be everything that the Pac-12 doesn't have in terms <laughs> of, of leadership. And I said this earlier in the show, Matt, I'm a lifelong New Yorker, so I've got no real dog in this fight. But I'm bothered by basically the the desecration here of the Pac-12. I mean, it's just disappearing before our very eyes. Uh, who's your number one person to blame for the situation the league finds itself in right now? Well, you know, I mean, you, you can blame commissioners all you want, but I, I do think it falls upon school presidents as well. You know, I think there was, there was a lot of dysfunction in that conference. Um, I don't think there was a lot of uh, un, uh, unified uh, of, of a grouping, you know. I mean, once USC and UCLA announced they're leaving to go to the Big Ten, I think all bets were off. I think it just showed how, you know, it all came down to dollars, you know, when, it, when you look at it. And I think a lot of these, these schools are looking around saying, well, where can we get the most money? I mean, forget about tradition forget about rivalries forget about all that where can we get the most money because that seems to be what's been the driving force behind a lot of this and so that kind of started this whole thing the ball rolling and then you saw you know obviously big 10 expands the sec expands that puts pressure on some of these other conferences the big 12 does its due diligence and adds four schools texas oklahoma go to sec i mean it's just been a a domino effect and everyone just kind of going down downhill and I think for the Pac-12 now, it's, it's, it's all about survival. You know, with, if they lose a Colorado, is there someone else they can get in to fill that spot? Or do we see other Pac-12 schools decide to leave? Does Arizona, does Arizona State, does Utah all decide, this isn't enough and we don't feel like this is going to help us, we're going to move on? Yeah, and that was my next question. Like, Is, is there going to be a Pac-12 at some point? Because there's almost nobody left. I like, Who would they grab? Who could they add that would rebuild the conference in any way? Well, I think what, what they, who they probably ended up adding is, I don't know if you've ever rebuilt it to the way it was, but I think they would look at someone like a San Diego State, obviously. There was a lot of speculation on them being an uh, expansion partner. I think SMU would be one as well. Um, Boise State, you know, maybe a Fresno State. Again, all good schools, but do they add the same sort of value of a USC or UCLA or Colorado? I mean, you're not going to get that. So even if you think your media rights deal is going to be good or up to par, at this point, Judge George Klitkoff, the Pac-12 commissioner, said I, that you're going to lose some of that value once you lose some of these schools because, again, I don't think whoever they bring in is, is going to bring that much value. So it's not going to be a Power Five-type conference. And, in fact, it wouldn't shock me that after this all gets said and done that we're basically down to three, maybe even four power, power conferences. Matt, uh, this is a, the answer is very long. What's the abridged version to why has it been so hard for the Pac-12 to find a media rights deal? Well, you know, I, I think part of that goes back to, you know, when they, you know, they established their own Pac-12 network, you know, they thought that was going to be a huge help for them um, until they realized that not many carriers across the country were willing to carry that. Um, you know, I think that was a huge uh, gap on their part. You know, that really hurt what they were trying to do as, as, as a conference. 
I, didn't, I also think that they were just slow moving. You know, I mean, look at look at what the SEC's done. Look what the Big Ten did. You know, they created their own networks, but they were able to to really kind of integrate them all with their media partners, and that really kind of took off and provided a huge boost of of financial you know windfall for them. So you know, the Pac-12 wasn't able to get that kind of thing. The, the Pac-12 networks weren't able to do that. Um, the, the, the schools themselves struggled, and I think also being on the West Coast really hurts a little bit because again, a lot of your games are on after 10.30 on the East Coast, a lot of people are going to bed or going out to the bars or whatever. It's hard to kind of catch those games. So they lost a lot of traction, I think, in the national eye. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all kind of comes together. Uh, Matt Merchel from the Orlando Sentinels with us here this morning on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Um, we discussed Jim Harbaugh's looming four-game suspension on yesterday's show. It doesn't feel like a lot, Matt. Um, does it feel like anything of significance to you? Is this a real problem or just kind of a slap on the wrist and we move on with, with Harbaugh? Well, I think, you know, the, the problem I have is he lied. He lied to investigators, you know, I mean, and when it came down to their, to their situation. And I think when that happens, you know, obviously it, it, that's a big deal, you know, but, but getting a four-game suspension and those four games being the first four games of your schedule, which are basically a joke. I mean, you know, you're, you were going to be 4-0 anyways. Um, it, it, again, it, it doesn't seem like it's, a, it's such a big penalty. You know, if they had said to him, okay, we're going to penalize you, you know, three games, big, big ten games, you know, you have to sit out. That's a bigger penalty, you know. I mean, again, but um, I think it, it hurts a little bit. But I think still think Michigan is not going to miss a beat. They're still going to be one of the top five teams in the country this year. Um, but again, it goes to show you that you have to wonder every, next time something comes up. You know, we know that Jim Harbaugh has, has obviously you know lied in this situation when it came down to you know investigating you know uh, violations. Can you really trust what he has to say? So that's going to be the bigger issue. Staying with Michigan and Ohio State and Ryan Day saying yesterday that maybe they need to move the game away from the Big Ten title game in the future. Do you see the logic in that? And do you think they actually might move the game? You know, I think they could. I mean, I know it's, again, it's a tradition. It's, it's something that everyone loves to see. But, you know, do you really want to have – look what happened to, to Ohio State. I mean, it gets down to that final game, the final game of the regular season, and it can knock you out of the Big Ten race and, and knock you out of that. I think that's not a problem. I think they should keep it the way it is and, and continue to move forward. But I also believe that, you know, you look at, you know, how, like I mentioned, with the conferences, you know, expanding and adding teams and schedules, I think that's going to be an issue. And so I think it'll be, you know, you could see maybe them try to do something like that, make it a bigger game. But to me as a traditionalist, I would love to believe this thing will continue on, you know, towards the end of the season. and can't decide who goes to the Big Ten championship game. Um Back to expansion for a second, because I'm never going to be okay, and I, I got to give up this fight, but I can't. I, the, the lack of geography drives me nuts at times, and you wrote this week or recently about what UCF has in front of it um, in terms of travel inside the Big 12. Just walk me through the mileage uh, that this football team is going to travel to play its schedule this year. Yeah, UCF's got anywhere, I think it's around 16,000, 17,000 miles round trip. You know, it's part, it's part of the, not just their Big 12 schedule, but also they've got a game against Boise in, in week two. Um, and that's huge. I mean, when you look at this, this, this schedule, and, you know, I spoke to UCF coach Gus Malzahn back at Big 12 Media Days, and he said, you know, the concern that involves in that is, let's say you're out west and, you know, you're playing a 7 or 8 o'clock game. You don't get home back to Orlando until, you know, 6 a.m. You know, sun's coming up. You know, and he said that just kind of throws your whole practice week out of schedule because, you probably have to give the players a day off on Sunday when they get back because of the travel. And so, you know, it's a concern, you know, and, it's, and I don't know if it necessarily is a concern 
as big a concern for football. I think it's a bigger concern for the Olympic sports who have to travel, you know, for shorter distances and maybe, you know, uh, have to travel, get out there and they have to play, you know, uh, shorter games and such, you know, but, you know, again, until we decide how, you know, these things can be changed, I mean, you just have to put up with the fact that you're going to have to travel a lot. You're going to have to be on planes. You're going to have to have tutors. You're going to have to have find ways to make sure that the athletes can, you know, get their schoolwork done as well while they're on the road. Yeah, I would, um, I know it's impossible, but I would be much uh, quicker to accept all of this if we just left the Olympic sports where they were. Like, there's no need for UCF baseball, soccer, to be traveling two time zones for those games. Let you got you know play closer to home. If football needs to go around on charter flights, it is what it is. But uh, the littler teams, the smaller teams, so to speak, they really get hammered by these new setups. They, they really do. And, and honestly, I spoke to several ADs who said, listen, we would love to see that become regionalized, you know, where maybe it's not part of the Big 12 conference. Maybe it's some other conference that's a regional conference that allows your teams to maybe only have to travel by bus, you know, two yeah. hours or so. And then that way that saves money and it saves the athletes having to worry about all that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't – listen, I, I feel bad for a USC or UCLA student athlete, for instance, who has to go across the country and go to Rutgers for a volleyball match or go to Rutgers for a baseball game right. you know, and then turn around and fly all the way back, especially if you're flying – commercial because there's just no way you can guarantee you're going to get back on top yeah oh my goodness uh but this is the life we live this is and it's not going anywhere anywhere anytime soon matt thanks so much for this we appreciate it. i'm sure we'll get you again during the season all right thank you i appreciate it that's yeah, our pleasure matt Merchell, read him at the orlando sentinel covers college football at large ucf in particular uh they're already in the big 12 one of the four initial uh additions to the conference sometime this morning the colorado board of regents is voting uh to i guess asked to be in the Big 12, and the Big 12 is already ready for Colorado to be back in the Big 12, and it's just another knock on the Pac-12, losing team after team after team and not really sure what they could do to really salvage this thing uh, at this point. We haven't done stun to a news yet still today, too. We've been really bad with the clock and the rundown. As usual, this show is very infrequently on the rails, so to speak, yeah. so here are your headlines. Maybe stunned with Caserta. We're going to give it a shot and uh, just pouring through some recent news. This one from last night, Tom Brady's Raiders ownership hits a potential snag with a new rule from the NFL. There's a new no equity rule, which has complicated Brady's efforts to purchase a piece of the Las Vegas team. The rule prevents team employees who aren't family members from being distributed equity in a franchise. So this could certainly complicate things for Brady. As he mentioned, he wanted to be involved, said it was a dream come true, but uh, there's chance that it might fall through now. And then I saw this one. Tottenham Hotspur owner Joe Lewis had to post a $300 million bond with the help of his super yacht in an insider trading case. Okay, so did he get the yacht from the insider trading? So, so he's a British billionaire. He owns the Tottenham Hotspurs in the English Premier League. His net worth is over $6 billion, and he had to put up his super yacht and private plane to secure a $300 million bond. He's 86 years old, surrendered to the feds yesterday right here in New York on charges that he gave inside information to people in his life, including romantic partners, uh. not partner, friends, personal assistants, and even private pilots, who then made millions by using his tips on the stock market. He pled not guilty, but was released on a $300 million bond that will be secured by his yacht called Aviva. It is a $250 million super yacht 
that was built in 2017. It is one of the largest in the world at 322 feet in length. Okay, so he didn't actually benefit from the insider trading. He tried to seem cool by insider trading. Right. I couldn't know less about business and economics and stuff like that. That seems like a really hard thing to avoid doing. I might have fallen into that trap too, like you're trying to sweet talk a girl on top of mm. your millions and billions of dollars on your yacht. You go, hey, you know, I got a tip on this, and now all of a sudden she's got some cash or whatever. Or like, uh, how do you not tell your brother if you know something? Sure. I don't get it. It's it's Honor a system, very huh? fine line. All right, it's what got Martha Stewart in trouble right. all those years ago. Um, so the feds say that from 2019 to 21, this 86-year-old gentleman, Lewis, shared confidential intel about companies that are overseas. One's a therapeutics company, one's biosciences, and another is an agricultural company. He also allegedly conspired to defraud the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and investors from 2013 to 2018 by hiding his over 20% stake in Marathi, which is a cancer therapy company. Now, that seems like a problem. That's the problem. Yeah. I think that's probably where they get more in the in the uh, weeds on it than anything else. Does it say what happened to the people who benefited from his tips? Uh, let's see. Because you got to be in trouble for that too, right? 100%. I mean, you're yeah. taking the information that you know you shouldn't oh, be taking. Oh, here we go. Okay. Um, so two pilots paid the money back after the stock spiked by 16.7% when Marathi announced a successful clinical trial. Um, these two pilots, Patrick O'Connor and Brian Wog, were also charged in the case. They pled not guilty. They were both released on a $250,000 bond. So even just the connection to that, you're in trouble. Hmm. Very curious. So like we all knew that for like, I don't know, we had like a 20-minute head start on the public knowing Sean was mm. leaving. So Had I sold my Odyssey stock ahead of Sean right. debasing WFAN, was that is that insider trading? I I think it would be because you're an insider. You, is, work, right? you work for the company. Get the handcuffs ready. Lock me up. Yeah. Throw away the key. Another job to fill. Great. How about that? Can, More can, news for Pete. <laughs> you can arrest me for impersonating a real update anchor. Tuba? Wink. No. It's not funny. Thank you. Anyway, before we get to stun, here's Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers reached out to him and I guess wished him luck. Aaron reached out to me last night and that's exactly what he said. Yeah, he said, just be yourself, have fun, enjoy it. Um, you know, it's obviously my time now. And he just said, you know, be yourself. And I mean, that's all you can do. You know, that's kind of been the message from everybody is, you know, be yourself. Don't try and be anybody else. Don't try to be Aaron, things like that. Just be yourself. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do. I'm telling you, Aaron Rodgers doing a complete 180. We talked about him earlier in the show, $35 million pay cut. Now apparently uh, repairing what was a, uh, I guess, an icy relationship between he and Jordan Love. So we always thought it would end in Green Bay, but maybe New York is just the place to be. And now, with time running out in our Thursday program, it's time to get stunned. It doesn't take much to surprise this bouncing baby boy. This is honestly the most stunned I have ever been on the show to a news. The DA show is stunned to a news. This one comes from our good buddy Rob in the 321, a Glasgow homeowner living in hell as up to 20 giant rats invade her communal garden. 
Residents in a multi-story Glasgow building have lost their communal garden to a gang of giant rats. The huge vermin have wreaked havoc on Earl Street. Brenda Smith has now been forced to stop taking her bags out after a rat ran over her foot one afternoon and now asks her husband Edward to take them out instead. The couple have lived in their ground floor flat since 1978. The 65-year-old says the issues with the rats has gotten worse over the last year and claims they come out during the day and night. At one point, she witnessed up to 20 rats roaming freely in the garden. Ew. And now the husband gets to take out the trash instead. Wait, we don't know where the rats are coming from? We don't. And Uh, now they're worried I can't leave my window open in case they come into my house. I like to sleep with the window open, but I can't. Uh, Well, she thinks that they're coming from the River Clyde. It's a walkway that's uh, connected to her back garden. Uh, She fears the situation could get really bad, as if it isn't already. And she claims that bin men, I guess what they call garbage men, are refusing to collect bins. And uh, as a result, now the rats are infesting. We've had different stories like this. Houses being overrun by different problems. What would it take for you just to pick up and move? Like moving snakes. 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 Yeah? One snake. One snake? One snake. I would burn my house down with me in it. Like, I'm terrified. snake where? I'm terrified of snakes, dude. Right, but it'd have to be like in a weird place, like in a cabinet. You, you, know, you know those stories where like somebody's sitting on the toilet yes. and it crawls up through right. the pipes? Yeah, that's that's my ultimate nightmare. Okay, now that's different than like a snake slithering through your backyard. Ugh. I can't even think about it, dude. No, he's right. I, I mean, snakes? No. that that's That's the end for me. But plural snakes, like a snake infestation? Yes. No, even one I think is enough. Sna- really? I mean, yes. snakes can kill you. I am terrified. Like, of like I guess I don't know if a rat can kill you. I mean, I'm sure maybe poison. A, but like a group of rats, yeah, could chew you up, probably. Ass, right? But like a, a one snake can kill you if it's the right kind of venom, right kind of poisonous. Like, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not dying. See now, via the, snake. The the lady that I live with, my better half, mm. she's terrified of spiders. Like even the tiniest little house spider, if it's up on the wall, she'll scream from across the apartment. Okay, go, go kill it. That doesn't bother me. Little spiders, I don't care about that. Snakes. If we see them, like, when we go on hikes and things like that, she'll pick it up, no problem. She's cool with that. I see a snake. I couldn't get further and further away. Wow. I don't know what it was. I didn't have any particular childhood trauma. Right. At least ones that I haven't blocked out of my subconscious. Uh, But I am deathly afraid of snakes. Like, I couldn't be a wrestler in the 80s fighting Jake the Snake. Oh, God, Robert, Because he would beat people and then just put... Like oh, Python God. on you, yeah. and like you didn't just take it. You don't know what was gonna happen. <laughs> you know, you guys are the bravest they, men alive. You know when they drape them over their neck, like they take pictures with like a yeah, large bow or something at like the that. MTV Music Awards. Right. She did that. Like, yeah, no, Mm-mm. can't be me. Yeah, that would do it for me. Ryan, you seem tough. What, what would you I put up not. with? You're not. Oh, no, okay. snakes are no go. Indiana Jones scarred me. There you go. Wow. Anaconda scarred me too. My dad mm-hmm. made me watch that movie and I was way too young. Snakes on a plane. Anaconda. John yeah. Voight. Yeah. Nice. Is nice. J Lo in that movie? J Lo's in that. I believe she is. Owen Wilson's in that. The dad in Jumanji's in that. The dad in Jumanji? Yeah. Forget the actor's name. He was also in The Mummy. He plays like the museum curator in The Mummy. Isn't Robin Williams in the first Jumanji? Yes. What is he in Jumanji? What is he? In- He's not the dad in he Jumanji? Plays the- so, no. So, Robin Williams in the early part of Jumanji is the kid. 
And then he comes out of the game and he's an adult. His father when he plays the kid. Yeah, I don't remember that. I remember the newer ones because my kids have seen those. The old one was in the distance. EJ, we forgot another one in Juma in uh, Anaconda, Ice Cube. Yes, Ice, Ice Cube, Cube is yeah. also in Anaconda. Yes, that is right. another one. And I John Boyd plays a South American like adventurer slash tour guide. He does this accent. It is dog you know what. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we need one more break to make Pete happy in his absence. Uh, so we're back in just a second on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Even the DA Show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic feel. Because I think Pete will like it, but remember, Pete also hates Joey Votto. So I don't know how that goes. Oh, I forgot mm. about He hates Joey that. Votto. He thinks Joey Votto, he doesn't think Joey Votto's in the Hall of Very Good. He thinks Joey Votto's in the Hall of Shame. I just don't like him. And he loves Mad Dog. We might need Pete to come in and hear this Think and so. have some kind of tie break. We could use that against him. <laughs> One more from Mad Dog, just because I heard this yesterday on Twitter, and I just love the guy. Terms apply. Uh, concerned with your play, 800 Gambadoo. Concerned with your play, want to call 1-800-GAMBADOO. What did he say? He's a remarkable human <laughs> being, and he is like that <laughs> all of the time. Gambadoo. I was so I was that serious when he came to serious. Mm -hmm. We do not care. So I'm sitting there in a the computer, me and my buddies were talking, whatever, and introduce, introduce, he gets to me, oh Andy! <laughs> Big tennis guy, right? <laughs> and he slaps me on the ass. Ow! 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 It really hit me. And that was our first interaction. That's incredible. Starstruck called me Andy. Who's your daddy now? Remember, because he had listened to, was listening to the channel beforehand that I liked tennis and gave me a huge wind-up congratulatory let's go slap on the ass and how great is away. that? And he's the best. Epic fail, you loser. That is why you fail. Epic fail. Maybe tomorrow I'll leave enough time for all of this stuff, although tomorrow is a tar Target Demo Friday, so never mind. Uh, today's poll question, what's the best way to impress Pete the body during a job interview? 73% of you chose wear a suit, offer a friendship bracelet, 23%. Just 4% of you percent of you went with insist on a FaceTime interview. And all three of those answers uh, played into things we discussed early in the show. Uh, advanced analytics will tell you that 37% of managers believe that a person should always wear a suit to a job interview. 36% of managers believe the job position plays a role while the rest don't care about suits as long as they look professional. Taylor Swift's friendship bracelets trend is a reference to her song, You're On Your Own Kid, off the Midnight's album. Supposedly, it represents making lifelong memories. During the pandemic, 47.6% of adults used FaceTime to communicate with family and friends. Uh, huge thanks to our guest this morning, Paul Tenorio from The Athletic and Matt Michelle from the Orlando Sentinel. As always, thanks to EJ, to Ryan, to Greg, to Pete, and to Cap. And thanks to you guys. A great Thursday. We've almost hit the finish line of this week without DA. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow as the mothership disconnects. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.